Dan and Corey here, welcoming you into Libservative. Sometimes when people say dumb shit, they get smacked for it. Live. Libservative on a strange Friday afternoon where I'm already half in the bag. Corey's already half in the bag. Here we I'm go. Getting there. I'm trying. <laughs> Without a work for an hour. Already about two shots in. <laughs> 4 30 on a Friday. We're doing this a little bit early because I have a. It's funny that it's, it's interesting that I'm half in the bag because I actually have a double date with my girlfriend and her mom and her mom's boyfriend coming up this evening. So we got to. We gotta smash through this, and I might not be able to drive out to this. Yeah, you get socially lubricated, lubricated, fancy Italian restaurant. Uh, Corey, what are you drinking here on this uh, beautiful Friday afternoon in Detroit, Michigan? So I am drinking some Michters. I've some never Michters heard of bourbon. Michters. Never had Michters before. It's not bad. Where's it from? Uh, probably Kentucky. <laughs> well, I don't know. Some liquor store in Sterling Heights, Michigan. No big deal. Yeah, I got it. At, I got it at the. Uh, the uh, the total wine store. It's, we are proud to offer you our small batch bourbon in the Michter's tradition, hailing from one of America's first whiskey distillers. Hmm. It says they're, they've been around since 1773. This bourbon is made from the highest quality American corn and matured to the peak of prote- perfection in hand-selected charred white oak barrels. It is then further mellowed by our signature filtration. I like how a lot of these bourbons and everything, they always talk about like signature filtration, but they don't elaborate on exactly what that is. What is that? They filter it through leftover... Uh, like charcoal? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I was going to say something more clever Cause can, than that. Because like Kentucky whiskey, like, uh, like, I mean, sorry, Tennessee whiskey is basically bourbon, but like they do like one more filtration, like Jack Daniels. It's Tennessee whiskey. It's not actually bourbon. Yeah, it's only it's only technically bourbon if it's distilled in Bourbon County, Kentucky. Which is exactly. It's just. I mean, it's not. It's nonsense. <laughs> it's just, it's right? just nonsense. You can make it anywhere. I'm just drinking. But it has to have 51 percent corn, Dan. I'm. Just, well, that's true. That's fine. That's but that's fine. That actually has to do with the recipe. It doesn't have anything to do with the where the fuck it's made. Which I just found out recently. Did you know tequila has like the same stipulations? Like for tequila to actually be like true tequila, it has to be made like in a certain area in in Texas where the agave grows. Yeah, but isn't it a Mexican liquor? That's what I said, Mexico. You said Texas. Oh, I meant Mexico. (laughs) And technically, the Tejanos used to be Mexican. So you are are half in the bag. I'm just drinking a leftover Guinness from uh, St. Patrick's Day. Got to get it out of the It's been sitting in that glass since St. Patrick's Patrick's Day. Day. Let's see how this is. Let's see how this goes. Oh, man. So we were talking right before we hopped on the show about a little vice that I have called Civilization Six. Yeah. And I've been playing the game for a while, but I, I took 
I took some time off because I couldn't find my iPad. Yeah, I was super excited <laughs> when I heard. I was like, what? Like, you're a Civ 6 guy? He's like, yeah, what? And I'm like, oh. <laughs> I just like started playing and like I've put in Jesus. If I want, I don't even want to count the hours. But just pass the time. Just, it is, way too it, many hours. it is a time wasting video game. That's what it is. It really is. You, just one more turn. <laughs> and anyone who plays Sims 6. Jesus Christ, that. it's 2 a.m. and I got to work in the morning. Yeah. Oh my God. So uh, before we actually get started, welcome to Libservative. Uh, you can find us on all your social media and podcast platforms. And uh, you can find us on Twitter and, and Instagram at Libservative Pod. We are on TikTok at Libservative Podcast. We are on Facebook at Libservative. Our email, if you want to reach out to us directly, is libservativepod at gmail.com. You got it. Fucking That's enough. It. Put down the mic. <laughs> and then you can find our monologues on our WordPress at libservativepod.wordpress.com. Uh, like, follow, and share. Come hang out. You can keep the conversations going when we're not on the air. Okay, so, just sit down, please. I will. I'm sitting. And what's new, Dan? Well, nothing super fun. However, I got something in my eye. Uh, Is that a tear? Yeah, something like that. Our topics. Tear in my beard. Our topics for this. For you, dear. For this. For this. Our topics for this uh, strange Friday afternoon show. Uh, We're going to talk about Biden's budget. We're going to talk, and the uh, new fun uh, billionaire tax, which sounds good, but it's, would, would you, fuck it, we'll just get into it. Uh, marijuana legislation coming through today, actually, Corey, I don't know if we have an update on uh, what the progress is at in, on the House floor today. However, that did just come to the House floor today. Uh, we have uh, Russia-Ukraine peace talks, updates on Biden's gaffes regarding, regarding Russia. Uh, and I've got a fun monologue, which goes to order of consequence. I just don't think we collectively think enough about consequences for our actions, even as adults in 2022. Uh, and then we've got some good news. Uh, what is this? A, a, a plastics treaty? Is that what it is, Corey? Four, re- four reasons to be hopeful about the global plastics treaty. Yep. Uh, we, we'll probably get to some other stuff but first we got to get to the yeah. slap heard around the world plastics we get to the slap heard around the world don't we Corey? a slap heard around the world <laughs> <laughs> it was <laughs> will smith just slapped the shit out of me the thing the thing about this and everybody's already talked about it right this occurred on sunday it's now friday right so we, we've we've had some time to really really dig in to this, uh, yeah, we're kind of beating a dead horse at this one at this, this point. But so, I don't give a fuck. So let's have some fun with it, right? Because I'm sitting there, and this is actually how we got into the Civilization Six discussion, which was that last night I'm sitting there playing Civ Six on my iPad while uh, my girlfriend's watching. She loves those like Grey's Anatomy Station 19 TV shows or whatever, so she's watching that while I'm playing my game. And this commercial comes on, and I just happened to notice it. It was a commercial for Good Morning America, which I believe would have been this morning's episode. We're talking uh, uh, Friday, April 1st. And it was this interview with somebody that was on scene at the Oscars during the slap, like, right, with that, like, 
that generic promo interview, like super intense music of, and, and you hear the interviewer ask the, ask the person, they go, so are you telling me that LAPD showed up and Chris Rock could have, ch- could have pressed charges against Will Smith? This is an actual interview that was supposedly took place this morning on Good Morning America. And I watched this promo and I went, I cannot think of anything I would rather watch less than that. <laughs> like that's the interview. Like they were shocked that he didn't press charges. Yeah. It's like, a, oh, what the fuck? Oh, you, you mean he could have pressed charges? Yeah. Yeah. He could have pressed charges. How did that interview go on for more than two minutes? Is what I want to know. That's so Any, dumb. Anybody who watched Good Morning America this morning and saw this, please feel free. Please leave us a comment because I want to know. I really want to know what this was about. I want to know what this interview said, but I don't want to actually I want give, to watch it. I give Chris Rock so many so much props for not pressing charges because it really, and all at the end of the day, it is just a slap. Like, yeah, I don't yeah, care yeah. if Will Smith does make a bunch of money. What, what kind of move is that to like try to get someone involved in the legal system when like you really don't have to? What was your I've over, been in what was your so me like personally of the, of the incident? Um, you know, like uh, it so I saw was this video actually. So there's a rapper. His name's Prof. I don't know if you ever heard of Prof, but uh, he he's he. he he made a video and he's like, you know, I usually don't talk about current events. He's like, but I saw this shit and it was wild. <laughs> and he was kind of on point. And he was talking about like formal settings and job settings versus like social settings and being out and doing your own thing. It's hard for me to say what I would have done in that situation because if something was like dogging on my wife and shit like that, and like say I was at the bar and you know, I'm having a couple of drinks and stuff like that, sometimes when people say dumb shit, they get smacked for it. Mm-hmm. But in a formal setting, they're wearing fucking tuxes. You're in a setting where it's literally a comedian. That's his job to make jokes. And honestly, I want to say that like, I would like to think that even if I was in that scenario, a physical alter, a physical escalation to a verbal slight, I don't think is ever appropriate. Their words do words hurt sometimes? Sure. Then use words back. You know what I mean? Like Will Smith is smart. He could have easily just done something like, boo, fuck you. Your jokes suck. And that would have been really, really funny. That would have gotten just as much clout as the slap. But like it would have been funny. Instead, Will Smith, now everyone's questioning his mental stability. Everyone's questioning all this stuff. Like now they're digging more into his whole relationship with her. And they're talking about his book. And now people are talking about how, like, in his book, he was talking about how he can't sexually satisfy Jada Pinkett Smith. And it's like all these different angles and stuff are coming in about him. And it's like a personal problem, bro. Yeah. Well, he wrote about it in a book. It was a personal problem that he aired his grievances. They've both been on TV and he's crying on TV about how she cheated on him and stuff like that. And he's crying again after he just slapped another man. (laughs) It's like when you really try if you really try to dive into like the whole mental health aspect of it, it does. Will Smith looks like a broken man. And it's like, almost like kind of like a Kanye, Kanye uh, West thing where it's like, here's another person who has chemical imbalance. And they were just like, 
throwing them on the stage and putting them in the spotlight. And it's like, I don't care about your booze. I see what makes you cheer. Kind yeah, of thing but what about, like, I mean, like everybody's pointed this out too. Like he was, he was, he was laughing. He was laughing at the joke. Until, and Jada wasn't. And then all of a sudden saw, he's like, oh man. Until he saw that Jada wasn't. And then, and then. Did you see the meme where it said that uh, Jada Pinkett Smith's boyfriend thanked Will Smith for defending his girlfriend? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And that's and that's just it. Like, like y- you know that like all of these Hollywood people have this like inner circle with each other, right? You've seen right. you've seen you've seen certain you've seen pictures of Will and Jada from years gone by with Chris Rock. They obviously know each other, right? This isn't just this is this isn't just like you know we already you already ta- you already mentioned how he's a comedian. He makes jokes. That's what it is. And but. These people all obviously know each other. So, like, when you get this, oh, was it staged? Was it not staged? It's, it's just, it's an interesting question, isn't it? Don't you think? Yeah, because of the fact that uh, Jada Pinkett Smith has an alopecia awareness uh, charity thing going. Uh, Chris Rock is just now going on tour. You're gonna bring up the Pfizer thing. Oh, you're gonna bring it. See, I'm telling you, this is all we need to make tinfoil hats, Dan. (laughs) You're gonna bring so we Alex have Jones a sort of disclaimer deal? whenever we go to talk into, and we try to deep dive into the nitty gritty shit. We can go, all right, everyone, put on your tinfoil hat for the visual <laughs> because yeah, Pfizer was the one that was sponsoring this, and Ale- and Pfizer's coming out with an alopecia fucking uh, drug medicine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now everyone's talking about alopecia. How convenient! Did you, th- there's so many angles to this. Did you see Jeff Ross's uh, response when he's like, "Yeah, I have alopecia." <laughs> He goes, people make fun of me for it all the time. He goes, that just happens. Bald guys get made fun of all the time for being bald. You know what's interesting? And this isn't like some weird, you know, like uh, white guy complex or whatever. But don't you don't you feel like it's it's usually white bald dudes that get made fun of? Because like black bald dudes are cool, you know? Yeah, you will. Yeah, like I I think they get made fun of. It's like when they're like trying to do the they're like trying to save it. When they do like the comb over thing, like yeah, oh, that's true. Style. That's true. When like, they yeah. do like when they're just trying to save the couple of little pieces of hair they have left, and like they just flap in the wind like a sail. Yeah, if you do like the Joe Rogan thing where it's like "fuck this, I'm bald" and just shave it, then then yeah, yeah. then yeah, that's true. Then you're cool too. And I feel like that's it goes from you your bald Jeff to Ross, like oh, yeah. like being shaving your head's a hairstyle. If you let the little, <laughs> if you let the hair on the sides grow, why do? By the way, why do white? Why are white men the only people that do that? You don't see that from any other people. You don't see that from black dudes. You don't see that from Middle Eastern dudes. When they're going bald, they just go bald. Like they just they just live with it. It's only white dudes. That, and I I realize it's easy for me to say with my luscious beautiful head of hair at 33 years old, but I'm just saying white dudes are the only dudes that get just try to really hold on to it. Self-conscious it. about that hair loss. What is that? I don't know. We don't know. We both have beautiful heads of hair. I have a live luscious locks for now anyway. <laughs> No, my dad is, you know, like my grandpa and my dad both still have hair. And my grandpa died at like 76 and my dad now is 76. That's wild. And uh, still have brown hair and still have hair. So like, I'm not that worried about it. You know, my hairline, like when I look at photos, because like now we have we're blessed with like Facebook and stuff. You know, you can go back 10 years and look at your photos and like my hairline. Hasn't changed. Same. Yeah. So all the George Costanzas out there, I apologize. I don't that th- I'm just 
I don't think turning the knife in your chest right now as I'm talking about how I have hair. White dudes. The the, the, the message here is white dudes. And I know you're looking. Shave it. White dudes, just be okay with going bald. I know. And 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 look, I'm gonna say right here, right now, on on April first, 2022. If it comes April Fools, if it, if it comes, to, yeah, exactly. If it comes, <laughs> if it comes to a point where I am starting to lose my hair, I'm gonna accept it. I'm gonna accept it. April first, 2022. Gonna, you're gonna just clean cut, shave it all, like Jada Pinkett Smith style. Ah, yeah. <laughs> That's the other thing about that too. It's like. Lady, you have you have alopecia. It's it, you know obviously you'd rather not be bald. I get it. Maybe you're a little self conscious about it, but like when people are like, she's got a medical condition. Can we stop pretending oh like she's got God. cancer? Like, can we stop right. throwing it out there? Like it's, it's not like, like she has leukemia, deadly disease. Yeah, and she put herself out there with it. Yeah, she did. She made videos and stuff about it. She, like she literally could have not said anything and wore weaves for the rest of her life, and no one would have known. I don't think you know so. what I mean. Yeah. You know, exactly. You know what I mean? Like she put herself out there for it. And like, if you put yourself out there for anything, there's going to be people who make jackass jokes. Was it even a funny joke? I don't know. Like GI Jane. Can't wait to see it. I thought, That's, I thought, <laughs> it's just, it's Chris Rock. Come on. It it's was fucking Chris Rock. Was, He's making jokes. It was a very traditional award show style joke to me. Right. Was it his best work? Of course not. He's Chris Rock. He's got some of the best stand-up comedy that you've ever seen. That was not his best yeah. job. It was not his best No, it was just like, and like and when at the end of the show, like it showed all the writers for the show. He probably didn't even write the joke. Well, I I did. I don't know where I heard this, so this is just hearsay. Whatever. We're just a stupid show. Um, but I, I, I had heard that he had not done that joke in the rehearsals for the show. Like that was, oh, that was, it was okay. new. Yeah. I'm I don't sure know where I heard that from. First. Y'all can look it up. I don't really give a shit. doesn't make a difference to me either way. He just went off the cuff. Dude, my favorite part was after Will Smith slapped him and uh, Chris Rock, cause you know, he's a comedian. He's got just fire from the hip quips about everyone and everything. That's just how comedians work. Right. When Will Smith is walking away from the stage and he first said, you know, keep my wife's name out of your fucking mouth. And then Chris is like, it was a G.I. Jane joke, bro. <laughs> and he's like, keep my wife's name out of your fucking mouth. And he goes, okay. And then he goes, huh. oh, man, I could have. Oh, I could have. Let's just, <laughs> let's just give out the award. <laughs> and, then he, and then he just goes, he, he calmed himself down. Like, I don't think he felt like he was demasculated about getting slapped. He just really bit his tongue because he could have made some really fucking good jokes right there and you know what jeff ross would have rock, appreciated that i want to know those jokes yeah for real Chris rock tell me those fucking jokes please please <laughs> bring them out in your next special yeah i guess he said in the last show he's like i know a lot of you are here because of the fact that uh that happened and he goes but i'm still processing this he's like but don't worry i'm gonna talk about it <laughs> <laughs> one point or another you know who else has a beautiful head of hair Corey? Who's that? Jen Psaki. Uh, I thought you were going to say Donald Trump. No, I did, <laughs> that is not a beautiful head of hair. <laughs> Jen Psaki's got gorgeous red hair. Everybody loves to look at it. It's all anybody pays attention to when they watch her press briefings because they're terrible. Uh, according to Axios and various sources, Psaki has made it official. Or I'm sorry, Psaki has not made it official. But according to these sources, Jen Psaki headed MSNBC in the spring. That's what it's sounding like. 
And uh, what kind of cracks me up is, do you remember when Trump was like cycling through press secretaries like every three months? Dude, that's a terrible. Like, job. Who did we have? We had we had uh, what was her name? The one who had the daughter that was on TikTok dog shitting her the entire time. We had Kel- you had Kellyanne Conway. That was the blonde. Kellyanne. That was Kelly. Yep, Kellyanne Conway. That's the one whose daughter was on TikTok. Then like, you had, then you had Spicy. Yep, Sean Spicer. And then you had uh, <laughs> turn off uh, those lights. Um, uh, uh, brunette with the lazy eye. What's her name? Uh, Sarah Huckabee. Sarah Sanders. Huckabee. Sanders. Why did I just say it's brunette with the, the lazy, lazy eye? eye. <laughs> God damn it! That's hey. <laughs> When you do a show with a couple drinks in you, that's what, that's what happens. I think that was more of a like, uh, I really like, like, like you ever see uh, Daria? Remember the show Daria? Oh, yeah. Remember the one teacher that had the eye? Where he's like, <laughs> hey, kids. <laughs> His eye would always get fucking huge. <laughs> like, like she had like that eye. Cause I feel like she just got spit a bunch of bullshit. She had to go out and say it. She's just like, I really got to fucking go out there and say this. Here's, here's the thing, like, whether we're talking about any of those three people or we're talking about Jen Psaki, it's a shitty job. Oh what a shitty job. Trying to just clean up fucking sh- literal shit stains and underwear from the president's misspeaking and making gaffes. Both of them have very difficult jobs, Jen Psaki or Kellyanne Conway. Like, Can you imagine being a press secretary for either Donald Trump, who's just always saying things off the cuff and saying bullshit, or Joe Biden? Who's always saying shit off the cuff and speaking bullshit? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh my god, the, the the similarities between these two men when they give speeches, and then they, yeah, and then they're the White House has to come, the White House staff has to come out and go, oh no, that, 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 no, no, listen, that's not what he actually meant. This he actually meant this. Like they got these handlers, like literally spotters, and when someone's trying to climb a rock wall, and everyone's around them, like putting their <laughs> hands up to make sure their head doesn't hit anything. Just watch the head. You remember learning that shit in rock climbing? Yeah. Just catch the head. You got to protect the head. If they break a bone, it'll be fixed. But the head is what you got to protect. <laughs> and like literally that, like they're literally the whole time, just like whoop 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 whoop. whoop. But the and, nar- uh, the narrative with both of the with 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 Trump staffers constantly leaving, and I, I didn't even pull up a list because it was really actually hard to find. But we were we we always we remember seeing these headlines of Trump staffers that would leave and go to Fox News, OAN, or any of these various uh, conservative publications. And, and, and you, what you, was the narrative? You would constantly oh. see state TV, state Fox TV, News state TV. And look but now when Jen Psaki's going to MSNBC. Well, hang on. Is that state TV? What are conservatives going to say? I don't even think they've said it. I don't even know if they're going to. I just like to point out the hypocrisy because it's like, come on. They might when she's finally there. They probably will. MSNBC is state TV. State TV. And, that's- I lo- and I love how the two sides, too, whenever one of them does something like that, the other side goes, oh, my God, I can't believe they're saying this. But then six months later, the other side will do it and they'll be like, oh, my God, I can't believe they're doing this. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like it's a joke. Hey, I've seen this one before. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a complete joke. And, and I look at this and I go, um, well, I, I can already see the defense coming from the Democratic Party, which is. Well, you know, Trump had all these people leave and go to uh, OAN or Fox News. And my response to that, I guess, would be, okay, Biden's 
only been in office for shit. What's it been now? 14 months or whatever the hell it is. I haven't exactly counted. Yeah, uh, it's about and ballpark average. We've already ballpark. had Simone Sanders leave Kamala Harris's team in January <laughs> to join MSNBC. Now we've got Jen Psaki. Why don't we see where we are at the end of three years? Yeah. And then make the comparison. Because look, if you want to say it's state TV, fine. But it's state TV in both cases. Right. Like, yeah, it's like, honestly, it's like, I'm, it's, it's whatever. I don't give a shit. I don't watch either of them at the end of the day. God, I'd rather shove a bamboo shoot up my dick. Because they really do both just pander to either party that's based on their demographic of who's watching the channel. But uh, it's just, it just, it cracks me up, man. It's just when you see it, like, we're literally seeing all of the talking points from the right bitching about this administration. We saw a shit ton of them two, three years ago from the left. And it's like, I, I, I don't get it. It's like, when is someone going to stand up and go, all right, let's, uh, let's break, let's, let's break the cycle here. Well, that's, that's what this new media movement is so great. That's what makes this new media movement so great because all of these, uh, whatever you want to call them, quote unquote, state TV, cable news networks are doing. Nobody is watching. Look at the numbers. Nobody is watching. Nobody oh, but Dan, cares. CNN but, Plus just launched. Oh God, yes. Now I what? What do I get? Do I get twenty four seven Brian Stelter? I can't wait to see that streaming service. I know it's like I get see CNN for free, and I can't wait to spend another two ninety nine a month to listen to uh, what's his face uh, Anderson Cooper talk about being a dad, <laughs> and it's like being a single dad having that show about being a single dad or whatever. It's like okay, yeah. Who are you talking to? Like less than 10% of the country of a single dad who can afford a nanny and do all this shit. You know how many single dads are out there that like aren't going to relate to what you're saying? It is a it is a very, very pathetic attempt, CNN Plus is. Absolutely pathetic attempt. You know what's funny is that uh I don't think Fox News is making the attempt to do the same thing. And here's the reason why. It doesn't make Fox News any better than CNN, but they at least recognize what their demographic is, which is old people who watch cable news. And so they just kind of go with it. They're good. Make the money where it can be made. Right. Anyway, it's the same thing. Just for anybody who was wondering. Jen Psaki moving to MSNBC is the same. The government's a pipeline to open doors for people, whether it's being a lobbyist, whether it's like working in mainstream media and things like that. And that's why mainstream media has a problem of calling them out when it's their own side, because they don't want to, uh, because yeah, they don't, they don't want to like hurt that, uh, that pipeline of money or whatever. They like to be in that inner circle of elites. Biden's budget, Corey. You ready for this? Yeah, you know, so full disclosure, we were just talking about this on the show before we started. You got to do way more deep dives into our topics before I did because we're starting so early. So 
Lay it on me, Dan. Do you want me to Tell set me- this up? I will set this up for you. Biden's budget, the the main talking point is the tax on billionaires. That's the uh that's that's the big that's the big piece of this. So it's a twenty percent levy on households worth more than one hundred million dollars. And they and it, they refer to it as total income. So that's taxable earning plus capital gains and or asset growth. And so the cited problems with this are that it's messy. There's a lot of administrative challenges. Assets are in they're tied up in businesses and those assets are difficult to value. Uh, that's actually a direct quote from Howard Gleckman of the Urban Brookings Tax Policy Center. So you look at this and you go, we've talked in the past on this show about how rich people aren't taxed enough. Like we, like you and I, I think are in total agreement on that, at least as compared to people who aren't quote unquote rich. Right. Would you, would you agree with that assessment? Yeah. Because when you look at their, the actual tax rate based on their wealth, you know, Warren Buffett, I think, I don't remember what the numbers were, but the Warren Buffett was somewhere like 3.8%. Elon Musk was like, 2.7%, 2.7%, whatever it was. It was under 5% for all of these billionaires. So we know that they're not necessarily being taxed enough. However, when you start talking about taxing uh, unrealized gains, that to me seems like a slippery slope. Like Because you and I are both retail investors. Right, you know, so what if down the line, oh, we, you know, we need to pull in another one point eight billion dollars in revenue for the for the government because we're broke and we're we, we're in too much debt. We're going to start taxing. We're going to start taxing taxing all unrealized assets. And now me, who's got I don't know fifteen thousand, twenty thousand dollars tied up in in stocks, bonds, and and in crypto. Well, now you're taxing my unrealized gains too. I think that's a legitimate concern. It is this 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 exact tax bill doesn't call for that, and it's not going to affect most of us, and that's fantastic. But wealth taxes haven't worked in the past in Europe. Now the uh, the, the Bernie Sanders wing of the Democratic Party would argue that it's just it's it's the way it was set up, right? Like certain other countries didn't exactly. Uh, they a they left too many loopholes, and one thing that's very different between the way the U.S. tax system works that it does in Europe is that in Europe it's actually based it's based on your address. So a billionaire can just be in France and be like, "You're going to tax my wealth, see ya," and then move right across the Belgian border, uh, right on the other side of uh, of the French Belgian border, and all of a sudden, boom! You don't get you, you, they they can't be taxed anymore. Now with American taxes, it actually has to do with your citizenship. So you might say, okay, a billionaire can now renounce their citizenship. Well, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, to their credit, actually did a nice job of saying, okay, you can do that, but there's going to get a four, you're going to get a 40% hit when you do that. And that was back when they tried to, to, to introduce a bill, I want to say in 2018 or 2019, uh, some sort of wealth tax. So the concerns are... Exodus of rich people. I don't think that's a big. I don't think it's a big concern for us based on that. Um, loopholes of a complicated tax code. How much revenue 
will it really generate? And I think that's the number one concern here, Corey, right? Because we, you know, billionaires do the best at finding other ways to hide their cash. Like, yeah. you, you don't think they're going to do a good job of hiding their assets still even under this? Because it takes money to hide money. Yeah. And hide, the biggest one is high administrative costs. Like, how do you enforce this? And how do you determine a business owner's actual wealth? You're going to have to put a lot of resources into t- determining you own 77 properties. Now we got to go through and we got to determine what each and every single one of those properties are worth. It just it just seems like a lot of extra assets. So there, there, I just feel like there has to be a better way to do this than taxing unrealized gains. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh... Hmm. Yeah, because like when you ta- when like it's uh the unrealized gains, like the loophole that they do anyways is they just take out loans against their assets, anyways, right? No, well, you 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 only you only get taxed on on gains that you actually ta- that you actually cash in on. So what a okay, lot of these okay. so what a lot of these billionaires do is they take loans out against their assets to you know service their lifestyle or whatever it is. So it seems like the thing you should do is maybe treat those loans like their income and tax those loans. That makes more sense to me. It's easier to keep track of. And then and it actually keeps you from having to take the time out to go backtrack to see what has already been taxed, right? Because when you're taxing assets, you, you got to make sure you don't tax the same assets at the same value the following year, right? Yeah, because assets values change damn near on the day. And only tax the gains. So it, it just seems like a better idea to tax tax the loans. Because that's what these billionaires do. And I I'm I actually heard I'll give credit where credit is due. I actually heard this from Sagar and Jetty on breaking points. Because I didn't I didn't know that that's how billionaires service their lifestyle. They they just take out loans against their assets. They're they're never right. they're never taxed on the assets, they're never taxed on the loans. Tax the loans. Makes sense to me. Yeah, or re- yeah, rewrite it to where like that type of loan. Hmm. How do we make this happen to where it ultimately doesn't trickle down to the middle and the lower class? And yeah, and that's I the guess o- is that's the question. That's the other side of it. Well, what what are we taxing all loans now? Because that's going to hurt poor people, right? It's it's because I've taken out personal loans to consolidate things, and you know. As a, especially when I was younger, as a lower, lower class, lower middle class person, sometimes you accumulate a little bit of debt, just living day to day because being poor is very, very expensive. Mm -hmm. And you sometimes you'll take out a loan to consolidate things and stuff like that. And now am I going to like, is it all of a sudden now I don't have that card in my, that, that one card in my playbook that is like way smaller than a billionaire? Yeah, and that's that's the sticking point, right? Yeah. Well, if we're going to tax loans, let's make it simple. Let's just tax all loans. You know that? Because you, you know that at some point it would trickle down to that. But at the end of the day, I, I'm really... Th- this thing isn't going to pass. And there's a reason why. Republicans and Democrats both don't want to piss off billionaires. Neither one no, of them. No, because that's, what, that's their coffers. Those are the ones where they get their money. 
And we've talked about this before on the show too. It's like when we talk about like tax brackets and tax rates, when it comes to the billionaires, it doesn't really matter what we put that number at. Like I think, because I think in this bill too, it talks about a minimum 20% tax on billionaires. Right? I think that's what it says. And, they, and it's, yeah, it's it's all households over $100 million. Just automatically just 20% tax bracket. So it's not even which really is a billionaire fine. tax. It's a hundred millionaire tax. Yeah, which is fine for me. But it's like they're just gonna go through the loopholes. They have they have the reach and the money and the means to do it. So like you can make that number, it's such it's so arbitrary because you can make it whatever you want. Nobody knows how to hide their money better than billionaires. Exactly. And that's and that's why it has We did we went on a, a very big uh tangent in one of our episodes recently about the Swiss banks. Yeah, and we and, I, and we know and we know that they're going to find a way to hide these assets in other ways. Yeah. They're going to make it seem like... Buy NFTs. They're just going to buy NFTs or some bullshit like that. And sell their properties. You know, think, things that are obvious, things that are tangible, things that the IRS could go, oh, you, you own that. Okay, well, how much is it worth? Let's figure it out. Crunch some numbers. This is what you owe on that. And then we'll just end up with a bunch of slumdog millionaires. You know, and it's it's just, it's this weird catch twenty two because I'm not, I, you know, I'm not the, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not the kind of person that, that that wants to be a shill for billionaires. But at the end of the day, like every country, you you want rich people here, and you want them to do well, right? You want them to pay their fair share. We all want to be rich. You also want them to do well because when rich people aren't doing well, you don't have a good economy. Like that's true. You want rich people doing well. You don't want them taking advantage. You don't want them not paying the same, at least fair share of taxes that poor people or middle class people pay. And that's that. That's where that. It, that's where that weird, you know, catch twenty two is that I just don't think anybody really knows how to solve. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like I'm not out here wearing a white dress that says "Tax the Rich" at it while I'm at the Met Gala. Mm-hmm. But I do think that I, it's a little like. If I'm paying, you know, 13, 14, between like 12 and 20% in my income and taxes, fucking A right that anyone who's making a billion dollars should be doing the same damn thing. But uh, how do we make that happen? I don't know. They tie up their cash and assets. They they pay very little on actual income. Well, it's depreciated property. You know, I'm, it's, it's a loss. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I, I, you know, honestly, I think libertarians have it right when they talk about the fair tax and you just get taxed on what you spend. Um, yeah. On what you buy. Yeah. Instead of this whole tax bracket thing and everyone trying to figure out they, they, it, it's, it's, it's a, uh, it's a straight up just like uh, a, a scheme. In other like, words, the IRS what, knows Corey, how much what, we make every time. Why do we have to file our taxes? Yeah, what what everybody wants, which is you get your money before the government gets it. Yeah, just give me a lump sum of money, and then I'll just pay. You know, like we already pay sales tax. Just add another little tax on that. Federal. And if I don't want to spend money this week because I want to save it, then let me save my fucking money. It's essentially a federal sales tax, is what you're talking about. Yeah, that's what a fair tax is basically. Yeah. You get rid of payroll, you get rid of all that stuff, and everyone just pays a pays a tax on what they spend. And not you, what they make. And you could still have your, you know, your state and local taxes, you know, your your property tax and, and what have you. 
But when it comes to what you give to the federal government, they right. they get it after the fact. They get it after you spend the money, not before you spend it. Is basically yeah. what it is. Yeah. <coughs> Marijuana legislation, Corey. Oh boy, <laughs> this is this is a topic that's near and dear to your heart. Uh, <laughs> it's near and dear to everyone's heart, Dan. Uh, the ever since the uh, the owner of the paper company in the twenties who pushed that big lobbyist shit to make it to where the legal because you know that's how this all started right yeah. because it, it hurt the paper company yeah hemp because hemp, hemp is hemp just was cheaper and better yeah uh, so they just spent a bunch of money to block it the house took the marijuana opportunity reinvestment and expungement or more act to the house floor today friday uh, actually and it's funny you say that because we you wanted me to look up like the update on it mm-hmm. and as of this is on the hill and as of 1240, damn, I really wish I said 420 just for the <laughs> symbolism of it. Uh, House approves bill legalizing marijuana. All right. So we're official. The House has, has officially passed this bill is what you're saying. Yep. In a vote for 220 to 204 with three Republicans joining all but two Democrats in support. Wow. I wonder who the do- two Democrats were. Were they possibly uh, Joe Manchin? And hold on, I got the other one. I got the other one here. Uh, it was here somewhere. Uh, Kristen Cinema? No, not Kristen Cinema. Um, there was another. There was another. There was another female uh, Democrat that they were talking about earlier today that I just can't remember. Doesn't matter because you're wrong. It's not a female. Uh, or it's not Joe Manchin. No, it's too, no, it's not Joe Manchin or a female. Wow, I'm terrible. Uh, Henry Quiller from Texas and Chris Pappas from New, New Hampshire. Wow, good for so you. So they, they're pro- you, them Joe two Manchin. probably have like big pharma like in their pockets. And there, and the, here's something for you. Uh, the the three Republicans who voted for the bill was Matt Gates, Brian Mast, and Tom McClintock. Interesting. And they're gonna, and then so now it's gonna go to the Senate and be introduced and uh, in the spring. Well, here's the thing. So, just to set up this bill, what this bill would do, should it actually be made into law, is that it would it would eliminate uh, criminal penalties for marijuana. It would establish a, a process to expunge previous convictions from criminal rep- records with regards to marijuana. It would impose a federal tax on marijuana to fund programs to help communities hit hard by you know harsh marijuana and anti-drug laws. Good luck with that. Uh, it's ex- and it is it now now it has passed in the House. It looks like essentially along party lines, mm-hmm. but here's the problem. It's really difficult to tell whether it's going to have enough support from Republicans or even some Democrats in the Senate to avoid the filibuster. And here's where I'm an idiot. Joe Manchin's a senator, not a House representative. <laughs> so this is this is where I was this is what I was worried about was when this actually Oh yeah, so yeah, Senate. so Joe Manchin's name wouldn't be on this yeah. or cinema. Here's here's so that was a, a weird uh, gaffe on my part. That was a Biden-esque gaffe. But you know, he even mentioned that he's going to vote for, uh, like, so right now he's being painted as like this anti-Democratic Party Democrat because he wasn't for the Build Back Better plan. But like, he still is a Democrat. Like, he said he's voting for uh, Katanji Brown-Jackson. Katanji. 
I I understand that. However, um, so the, the this is where I meant to bring up those two names, which was uh, Democrats that may not vote in favor. Joe Manchin being one of them. And why do you think that a young lady beca- because his state has had supposedly a an, an issue with opioids, as we know, being West Virginia. We already know that's true. So he doesn't. But want is, to- is he in Big Pharma's pocket? I know he's in Big Cole's pocket. Dude, it's it's this weird fear mongering idea of if we legalize this drug, it's going to cause these these big problems. That's what these that's what all of these anti marijuana people bring up. They bring up phony addiction shit. They bring up you know the Nancy Reagan s you know just say just no say bullshit. No. And they t- and they and they bring up all these anecdotal stories about scary car crashes when uh, uh, marijuana is made legal. But the thing is this. I actually did a little bit of a deep dive into this today, and it is there is absolutely no definitive evidence that legalizing marijuana boosts fatal car crashes. Because no, it's, it goes to the whole mantra that like all the uh, pot smokers say, you know, drunk drivers blow red lights, potheads and stoner stone drivers wait for the stop sign to say go. <laughs> <laughs> like, have you ever heard that before? Yeah. And look, that's that that that's just it to me. It's there are so many variables that could go into the increase in fatal car crashes, right? Like there's there are numbers that say good economies cause fatal car crashes, cause more fatal car crashes because gas is cheaper, more people are driving, more people are, are going on vacation, and you have more car crashes just because the economy's better. No, when it snows, there's more car crash. Yeah, there's so many different things that you could just say cause more car crashes. Fatal and, uh, car crashes in particular. Anyway. Uh When it comes to the Senate vote that we're going to see when, you said in May was when that Senate vote's supposed to come out? I think so, yeah. I think it's going to tell us a lot about where our politics sit. And if, if it's not, it's going to be one of these things that's going to make it super obvious that our two-party system is so frustrating. Because... Legal the legalization of marijuana on some level is supported by something like ninety one percent of Americans. Whether it's decriminalization, uh, medical use, or recreational use, ninety one percent of Americans support one of those. And so, forget the fact that it's a populist deal. Basically, all of Americans want want this. We are still going to see Republican senators go against this. Why? Because it's more important to make sure the other team doesn't get a win than it is to actually go with the with what the American people want. Now, it's not to just shit on people who vote Republican, right? Right. If, Are you so you're you're kind of getting at the gist? If that, it like, were switched, gonna... I would say the same thing. If there was some populist issue 
that was supported by a Republican administration that 90% of Americans wanted, Democrats would vote against it because we can't give the other team a win. Winning is more important than actually giving the American. Okay, I'm glad you said that because that's exactly where I was going to go. Yes. That like they can't, they can't give the Democrats a win right before the midterms, Dan. I know that they can't do that. But the, the but the other side of it is, it's it's just a, it's another pathetic effort by Democrats to boost their cachet. And that's that's that actually even goes back to uh, Biden taxing billionaires, right? He wants to appear tough on billionaires, so that he will, so that his approval rating will boost. Just, <laughs> Do you just think anything's going to make his approval rating boost? It's a tr- it's a shot in the dark, and that's exactly <laughs> he's just doing his best. And that's exact that's exactly what what the legalization of marijuana is. Democrats don't actually give a fuck. And can I say real quick? That I called this like six months ago. You did. I remember having this conversation. And I said, just wait about six months before the the uh, the uh, midterms really ramp up. The Democrats are then going to drop this on the House floor. Isn't that perfect? Yeah, because they need to they need to boost those numbers up. You got to get those numbers up. Thirty percent. Those are rookie numbers, Biden. Never mind what's right. <laughs> Never mind the fact that 90% of Americans want some form of legalized cannabis. And it's, and it's, you know what's funny? It's like, it's so easy. It's so simple. The, all the Democrats have to do, all you have to do is decriminalize. So all you have to do federally and then leave the rest up to the states and you've done your job. You can wash your hands of it. That's it. Right. That's all you have to do. Like how you, wait, are you saying that we should be doing this like how the founding fathers intended? <laughs> Is that what you're saying right, Dan? You're sounding awful constitutionally originalist. No, it's not even about that. It's just about if you want to play the right cards as the, as as uh, whether you're Republican or a Democrat, make this thing go. Let this thing go make, because let the states do it. 90% of Americans want it. All you have to do is decriminalize it federally and then let the states do the rest. Yeah. In you want to make it recreational, make it a you want to make it medical, three. whatever. Yeah. Because it's a schedule one right now. I might get those reversed. I think yeah, it's schedule one. It's schedule schedule three. one now. Yeah, yeah. With fucking heroin and cocaine. What the fuck? And it's L- not nineteen twenty. It's twenty twenty. And LSD. Which even I don't think that should be fucking <laughs> <laughs> schedule one either. But that's just me. Anyway, just another, just another ploy. Uh, Even want- then, but ultimately, like I hope it passes. I really do. Of course, do. of course. Yeah. Like when we, like you want to talk about, like we want to talk about uh, creating jobs and creating industry and creating uh, revenue for the for the state or the or the Fed. Like think about like the millions and millions of jobs that would just be out of nowhere just created, just just by eliminating an arbitrary law like that. Because we're not just talking about just the distribution and the retail side of it. We're talking about the growing. Mm-hmm. As farmers right now are looking for crops to grow, they, they can make money on. We're talking about advertising, promotion, manufacturing, production, logistics. Like every retail, factor of an industry. Yeah, every retail. factor of an industry. It's just we're talking about creating millions and millions of jobs. You know, like when it comes to like, with marijuana, it's not like uh, cotton where you can just throw it in the cotton gin. 
break off all the uh, pieces of uh, dried out like husk on it to get to the cotton. It's every one of those buds has to be meticulously like properly trimmed and things like that. And so we're talking about, you know, trimmers. And that's just like a day laborer job. We're talking about the people who are cutting down the stocks. We're talking about the planners. We're talking about the packagers. We're talking about people that have to make the the labels for the different packages. You know, there's going to be truck drivers that are going to be moving the stuff around a hot commodity like that. We're going to need people that are like security to move the production around. You know what I mean? So like it's it's if it was even regulated like alcohol. We're talking about millions of jobs and billions in revenue of jobs that can create opportunities for millions of people who have been impoverished in inner cities because let's be honest those are the areas that are targeted when it comes to drugs and stuff like that and those are the reasons why a lot of these cities and we see mass incarceration with like let's say black people because those are the ones that are definitely targeted when it comes to drug crimes and things like that and we're talking about just taking one more uh what would you call it one more stick out of the spokes for people like minorities and stuff that will have a chance to build wealth and things like that and it's just it's it's there's there's virtually no negatives to it and if anyone says like like uh, oh well it's a, it's a crush it's it's a gateway drug and but then they're over there drinking their vodka tonics and yeah. things like that but it could cause car crashes Corey, because we can't test Take for it, it. We can't test for crunching it. down there. Zan- we have so many old people stuff just driving around fucked up on Xanax and psychoactives and pain medications that I think it's perfectly fine because a doctor told me it was okay. But <laughs> you take a puff of a joint. <laughs> we can't. We can't. We don't have a roadside test for it, Corey. We have to have a roadside test and then we can make it legal. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Uh. The- are you? Are, are we good on this? <laughs> I don't know. Someone just asked what I mean by minorities, and I just mean, uh, and I don't mean by monolithic groups. I'm just saying that people that are sm- in, our, in our groups that uh, are sex of people in our country, people that aren't that, straight white men, Corey. That's what you meant. Yeah, basically, yeah, people who aren't the majority who've been running the country for the past 200 years. There you go, straight white men. We'll the people who have been targeted through arbitrary laws and vilified over bullshit. And yeah, no, he's right. People have been affected disproportionately also by this war on marijuana. He's absolutely right. But when you look it up, a lot of times people who are of that aren't straight white males, they get affected negatively (laughs) by arbitrary laws through strong arm tactics by our government. And? But it's mostly straight white men who suggested it. it'll It'll all be over. With this act, it's not true. It's <sighs> completely not true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not true. <laughs> it's, it's but and what like uh, in Detroit actually, they're making it to where they they're trying to make it uh the people who actually like so in Michigan here. Uh, uh we we we, uh, we legalize marijuana, and so in Detroit they're trying to make it to where like the people who are getting the uh, the licenses and stuff for marijuana companies. Uh, represent proportionately the demographics of the city, which I think actually might not be a bad idea. 
Detroit's the blackest city in the country. It's it's something to try. And also the second most segregated metropolitan area in the the whole country. Did you know that, Corey Walsh? Yeah, because 8 Mile was a fucking iron curtain. You know what number one is? You know what number one is? Or at least as of like five years ago since, or 10 years ago since. Wait, wait, don't just tell me right away. The the second, or the number one most segregated. Metropolitan area is... Is it Chicago? Close. Gary, Indiana. (laughs) (laughs) That's so so weird that that's... You would never have guessed that, would you? (laughs) No. I don't know if that's still the case, but as of I think the 2010 census, that was the case. Uh, anyway, really? I'm, I'm, like sure. said, uh, and I'm glad you joined the show, Doctor Ganjio. I could be. I could uh, be he wrong. just said that's a uh, Madagascar was the first nation to criminalize marijuana. Fuckers. <laughs> what else am I supposed to say? It's <laughs> just goddamn Madagascites. And what's is that? What the term is for Madagascar? Like I know, like in Michigan or Michiganders, you know different states or different countries like based on where you're from they say it a certain way like ites or ians or e's and well there's 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 some debate about whether or not we're michiganians or michiganders people there's there's a large debate out there what do you think we are i don't care i want to move on (laughs) i want to move on because i'm I'm running out of time here Corey. do should we do uh red pill blue pill and then get to my monologue and we've got some other stuff we can push off to Uh, oh man that depends did i take a bullet yet oh no i didn't it's april 1st it's april 1st baby you might be taking that bullet today red pill blue pill if you're new to the show this is a segment that we do where we bring up a uh a certain topic and then we give really hyperbolic arguments that both sides like to use and then we make a decision which side we agree with more uh today's topic is the don't say gay bill quote unquote don't say gay bill uh coming out of florida the red pill being this statement we need to stop teachers from grooming our students into perversion the blue pill being this bill is perpetuation of hate toward non-heteronormative children Corey, take it away (laughs) take it away (laughs) I don't know what you want me to say. Red pill. When you read the actual bill, it's definitely fabricated anger about it. Just like with Kataji Brown Jackson and them talking about the different shit with her, with her different records on her rulings. It's fabricated hate. You know, it's people taking things and then spinning stuff to make it seem like, look what they're doing again. Here they go, classic Republicans hating everyone. And then, or on the other side, it's up, oh, here they go, those socialist Democrats hating anyone who's not them. And it's just, it's fucking stupid. But I want to say that, like, ah, you know what? You know, maybe parents should be able to have a say in what the kids are taught in their school. Ultimately, like, what are we? Like, are we just going to say that the, that the state has the ultimate say in what? Uh, in a free country, what their kids are taught, or should the parents be able to have a say in the curriculum? Uh, so I was probably going to take the bullet a second ago, but when I laid it out like that, when it ultimately <laughs> comes down to just if the parents should have a say and like when it comes to a sensitive topic, whether whether you think it's sensitive or not, what's the harm in letting the parents just say, "Well, in my household." Because it's going to ultimately be 50-50. Some of them are going to say, yeah, absolutely teach it. And then the other half is going to say, no, I don't want them to learn that. But I think that they should have a, they, that their opinion on it should supersede what the government wants to say, whether they, whether it's don't say it or say it. As long as the people have 
the ultimate say versus the government. And in this fake, or in this sake, I guess I am going to go red pill. Ooh, God damn it. I've gone red pill a couple times now. It's- and if it wasn't April 1st, then it was like April 20th. <laughs> that was a, another 420 joke for you. <laughs> Corey? And then I probably would take the bullet. But I, I got a whole month. It's it, Dude, it's it's only April 1st. I don't give a shit. I'm taking the bullet. Once a month, we get to take a bullet on this because the argument about this is so f- fucking ridiculous. Everything about it makes me mad. And I'm going to I'm going to pick on I'm going to pick on the conservatives first because it's really easy. Uh and it, well, don't worry, I'll get I'll get to the I'll get to the to the blue pill side of this. But the red pill side, I'm going to pick on you first because it's really easy. The amount of comments and discussions that I've seen about, you know, uh gender rights and um uh basically anything that's not heteronormative being yeah, this cause, being cause this, you know it's being this perversion like 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 th- like there's this weird uh uh it's it's like an Alex Jones style pedophile cabal of teachers that are trying to turn all your kids gay like it's <laughs> they're all just, sitting in the teachers lounge like how do we turn these kids gay it's just okay stop <laughs> just stop if that's if that's the case you sh- everybody should pull their fucking kids out of school and the world's over so th- that's knock it off the 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 liberal side that I'm gonna I'm gonna pick on for a second is that you you don't even know what's in this fucking bill. You don't know what this bill says. The the, the thing that what you're seeing all over social media or or in all of these arguments about why this is like anti-gay and anti-trans bill is absolutely incorrect. Everybody is honing. I have it in front of me. I'll even put it on the screen here. Uh, here we go. This this is the entire bill, folks. This is seven pages. Seven pages to this bill. You know what people are harking on? I'll get back to it. See if I can highlight it here on the screen. Right here. That's it. One sentence. One sentence, and I'm going to read it. Provision three of this bill. Classroom instruction by school personnel or third parties on sexual orientation or gender identity may not occur in kindergarten through through grade three or in a manner that is not age-appropriate or developmentally appropriate for students in accordance with state standards. Number so I one, can the, remar- I can see the issue with that. Go ahead. I'll, I'll let you go, but re- a remarkably arbitrary. Like, who's to decide what age-appropriate is? That's exactly what I was about to say. It's very subjective. And and B, we're talking about not having actual lessons or classroom instruction around sexual orientation or gender identity from five to fucking eight-year-olds, guys. Like, I don't know about you, Corey, but when I was in school... You know, after I learned my multiplication tables in the third grade, I was really looking to get into the the history of trans people. Like, this doesn't change anything. And now we were watching the clock ready to go on recess and play football. Nobody cares. This this is this is nothing because what you see is all of these these hyperbolic anecdotal things about. Oh well, 
according to the don't say gay law, well, now if my second grader is having questions about their sexuality or their gender, they can't go have a discussion with a teacher. Yes, they can. This bill doesn't say that you're not allowed to do that. It just says right. no instruction, no no class activity, right? And and another thing that people are hearkening on about this bill is a provision that was actually removed from this bill, which was, um, I'm I'm paraphrasing here, but it originally had said that a principal of a school that had that that found out about a student that had come out against uh, come out as basically anything other than straight heteronormative regular gender biological gender whatever you want to talk any any anything outside of that realm basically heteronormative let's say that principle would be required to inform the student within or uh, the parents of that student within 6 weeks of finding out now if that provision were in this bill i would say that that's bullshit I would not be for that because a student went to that teacher or principal in good faith, but that isn't in the bill. It was removed. It's not even in there. Right. Yeah. So like the reason why I think I even took more of the red pills, I think that parents should absolutely have a say in what they're, what they're being taught in the schools. Are there dumb parents out there? Absolutely. I've met some dumb, dumb fucking parents. But when it comes to anything like this, like either this or censorship, and we have elected officials and unelected officials, which is even scarier, people who are just these bureaucracies that are either saying, no, 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 no. Look, you're too dumb. Let us experts handle this. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to having parents decide whether or not their kids are going to learn this type of thing, then I'm a hundred percent for that. Like when we were in high school or in middle school or in elementary school, I had to come home with a piece of paper that said, Hey, next week, our kids are going to learn about balls. sex education. They're going to learn about cox. balls and dicks and vaginas and boobs. <laughs> Do you want your kid to learn about anatomy or no? Well, yeah, I want my kid to learn about anatomy, so I'll just sign this and send it off with the kid and let him go watch the cartoon of the erection go up and what, and then he can giggle with all of his friends. Because <laughs> that was really funny. I still remember the whole class busting out laughing at the cartoon <laughs> dick getting hard. And that's funny, right? But we also learned that like the basic anatomy of sex education, but it didn't take much for the parents to know that we were going to talk about that. And in this same scenario, that's kind of sounding like where this bill is going. And so, yeah, let's, let's, let's have the parents have a say. It's okay. It's all right. It's okay. It's also okay to say gay. It's also okay. And then the bill doesn't say anything about not being able to say it. Yeah. Fabricated anger. So, you're, so that's the only reason I took the red you're pill. You're taking that the red and pill. It's April 1st. You're taking the red pill. I've taken my monthly bullet on the first day of the month. So this is going to be an interesting month for me. I'm going to have to make sure goals. I pick some really, really shitty ones for the rest of the month for you, uh, Dan. <laughs> I, I got to get rolling here soon, and I really got to take a piss. Let's get to my monologue. Yeah, let's do that. And then uh, we'll call it a day. Corey, there are consequences for your actions. I'm not really sure if history knows who first uttered that famous sentence. 
<coughs> We've heard it many times. Generally, after committing an act or saying something that has gotten us in trouble. Your parents may have said it to you while punishing you for breaking the house rules, or a teacher may have said it to you while giving you detention for being a loudmouth in class, which is one that I'm all too familiar with as a former pupil. There are consequences for your actions. How often do we think about societal, cultural, or even military consequences before pushing on with our pet causes to boost our social credit scores in 2022. Sure, you get immediate short-term gratification of knowing the peers in your siloed thought bubble will give you a like and a heart reaction on social media. And you'll feel better for five minutes knowing that you stood up to fascism or tyranny or that existential threat or whatever boogeyman you've you've been instructed to speak out against this week. But remember, your actions have consequences. Living in any type of democratic society, such as our representative constitutional republic, leaves the people to be the ones that live with the consequences of our collective actions. We can hold the power, as our constitution gives us the ability to, or we can sacrifice that power in the name of security. And sacrificing power for security is not a partisan issue. Today's leftists, and I only use that term for lack of a better one, were recently okay with giving power to Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau to freeze the assets of everyday Canadians for participating in a protest that they didn't agree with, labeling these protesters domestic terrorists. On the other hand, Texas recently passed a law making it far more difficult for women to procure an abortion, and even paying bounties to Texans for ratting out their neighbor for having an abortion after six weeks of pregnancy. There are consequences for your actions. If we, the people, give away power to stop a perceived evil, we don't get that power back. It can then be turned on us. Our protest may be seen as domestic terrorism one day. Our body autonomy may be in jeopardy one day. And the precedent has already been set. There are consequences for your actions. There are plenty of examples of societal actions that seemed like a good idea at the time, but we didn't collectively think hard enough about the second, third, and even fourth order consequences. The first that comes to mind is one that I actually agreed with at the time. As someone who has traditionally been a left-leaning guy, I supported the deplatforming of infamous conspiracy theorist Alex Jones. He's a turd, I thought. The world would be better off not seeing his bullshit plastered all over Twitter and YouTube. But look at what it's led to. Countless attempts to deplatform people that are reasonable, but may not agree with the mainstream narrative. Some attempts being quite successful. How long before your idea, how long before your idea is on the quote unquote deplatform list? Meanwhile, the deplatforming of Jones has certainly not had the desired effect of silencing him. Sure, you may not have to see it anymore, but his content and watchers have now been driven underground into a silo. Instead of being out in the open, where we can all challenge what is bullshit and give him a and, and give a chance to what might be might be engaging legitimate public discourse. We'd all get to be the judge of that. And that's the beautiful thing. 
From a geopolitical perspective, I think of the invasion in Iraq. The narrative that Saddam is a bad guy was big, bad weapons that are going to kill us all. And that Saddam was, at least in part, behind the attacks on 9-11. On the surface, it sounds great to remove that guy. He's a bad guy. He wants to hurt us. He's torturing his own people every day. He's a humanitarian disaster. Let's kick his ass. There are consequences for your actions. You realize that everything we were told was bullshit. And removing Saddam from power combined with chasing off the Taliban in Afghanistan caused a huge power vacuum in the region which gave rise to ISIS. None of the eventual outcomes made Saddam any less of a bad guy. But the consequences were never considered. As for today, I think of the recent COVID lockdowns. We shut down the world as a means to slow the spread of a novel disease that we knew very little about. It seemed reasonable, and maybe it was at the time, until it wasn't. Small businesses being decimated, skyrocketing unemployment, dreams dashed, sacrificing the mental health and education of our children in the name of saving the elderly. It may be a grim thought, but it makes no sense. More importantly, it didn't work. There are consequences for your actions. I think of the polling numbers that suggest Americans support a no-fly zone over Ukraine in an effort to slow Russian troops and to keep Russian planes out of Ukrainian airspace. All of this without realizing that NATO enacting a no-fly zone would be an act of war that puts us in hot water and ultimately a hot war with another nuclear power. Sometimes actions need to be taken, there's no doubt. But the consideration of consequences must take place too. Before bombing Pearl Harbor, the Japanese knew that they would be dragging a sleeping giant into a global conflict. But they knew that if they didn't do it, their entire empire would struggle to get the oil they need to get the oil they needed after US sanctions. If World War II Japan can consider the consequences of dragging a global power into a world war, the rest of us can consider the consequences of sacrificing our incremental little bits of power each day in the name of not feeling bad. There are consequences for your actions. Now I really got to pee. <laughs> so then we'll be ending shortly. Uh, but yeah, no, you're right. Like the Alex Jones thing, everyone was wrapped up in that. Like, yeah, get that crazy bastard off the YouTube and stuff like that. But I what that it. does, it sets precedence. Now we got people like Chris Hedges getting kicked off. Chris Hedges, Chris Hedges is, you know, he worked for NPR, the Christian Science Monitor, and Dallas Morning News. He was a freelance correspondent, and he's a Presbyterian minister, and he was a left wing uh, commenter. But then he, but he worked, but he had segments on Real Talk or like uh, yeah, the RT. I forget what it stands for exactly. So now he's just nixed. He's knocked off. Who's next? You. We have Trump knocked we off are. Twitter. We're next. We are literally. You're absolutely right. We are next, Dan, and we're just getting started. Like what the fuck? Uh, we we have Trump, and like it's it's so arbitrary. Trump is kicked off Twitter, but the Taliban is still on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Russia is still on Twitter. Fucking 
the Alatola is still on Twitter. Saudi Arabia, the people who literally killed journalists, butchered them, cut them up in a consulate, is still on Twitter. Consequences for your actions, Corey. Consequences for your action. Tell the people where yeah, they can find us, Corey Walsh. Dude, yeah. I'm sorry. I don't oh. mean to cut you off. I got to nope, go. You're, you I got to pee. <laughs> you got to pee. You got shit to do. You got a double date happening. Um, I was going to share the picture of that one guy who was uh, just but, but part of the guy who was a part of the whole uh, fucking Whitmer kidnapping thing because he looks just like you, but we'll save that for next week. I like it. Um, you can find us on Libservative Pod at, on Twitter and Instagram. You can find us on Libservative on Facebook. You can find us at Libservative on uh, YouTube and Twitch. Uh, you can find us on LibservativePod at gmail.com. Like, follow, and share, and subscribe. Come hang out. We go live every Friday, typically at about 7.30. We went early today. Uh, looks Paid like we off. have a couple of people. I'm going to give a shout-out to Dr. Ganja. Make sure to follow and share, bud. You know, we actually, our podcast is released every week. We're constantly sharing new inform- new shit on our uh, social platforms. Come join the conversation. We are constantly keeping it going uh, throughout the week. Oh, and we're on TikTok. I forgot Ooh. to say that. Yeah, don't forget that. Uh. And at least we're not calling ourselves Libcuck. He says, no, Libservative is just a combination of the word liberal and conservative. Just mashed together because it's neither side is right or wrong. There's some nuance in the middle, and we like to try to call that out. Balls and strikes, baby. Balls and strikes. We're empires. And until- not, <laughs> and until- not empireist. Not imperialist. Just <laughs> You know what I mean. Until next uh, time. He's been Corey Walsh. And he has been Dan Griffin. This has been Libservative. I got to piss. We're out of here. We are out of here.